0: Welcome to Solar Speaks. I'm Kelsey Misbrenner, Senior Editor with Solar Power World. Racial disparity in rooftop solar deployment has historically been attributed to income or home ownership inequality in communities of color. But a study by Tufts University and the University of California, Berkeley in early 2019 found the disparity remains even when adjusting for those two factors.
1: (sighs) Uh, I, I've said this a few times, but for me, it was like a bucket of ice water in the in my face. That really, really hit home that um, despite income and despite home ownership, there's a very pronounced disparity um, in terms of rooftop solar deployment based on race, and that was horrifying for me to read. Melanie
0: Santiago Mosier is a senior director of Vote Solar's Access and Equity Program. Um,
1: we already knew that there were challenges in deploying solar for lower income communities. Um, but now I think we, you know, we, we're we starting to sharpen our focus a little bit and, and think a little bit more about what equity means and about what we can do about it. So with that little bit of background of, you know, about kind of what I've been thinking about and, and focusing on for a while. I do think it's important to point out that the study authors didn't exactly point to causes, but they kind of indirectly pointed to causes. So first off, the authors talk about the fact that um, communities of color suffer from a disproportional lack of initial deployment of p- rooftop pv or that feeding right mm-hmm. so they they've there's been research done about the effect of um, you know neighbor to neighbor conversations about you know and and solar installers know this like if you can get one or two solar installations in a neighborhood that neighborhood will take off and, and become a great solar neighborhood and so the study authors found that that initial seeding wasn't really happening in communities of color. And they they think that that, that is potentially um, just one of the, the causes here, that we don't see um, the the levels of deployment in communities of color that we see in, in uh, white communities. Stepping back from that, um, what that tells me is that Solar salespeople are simply not going into those communities. Um, And I think that that is just something that we need to recognize um, and think about and be humble about. Um, I think that, you know, there's an opportunity here um, for the solar industry to rethink its sales strategies, to rethink its marketing strategies, um, and to rethink frankly, who is in those positions to do the sales, to do the marketing, to make the business decisions and so on. Um, I think it's also an opportunity for the solar industry to just build trust and begin having good relationships with communities um, that have not traditionally been solar communities. So I see... So that's that's one piece of it. So that's one potential cause. Mm-hmm. Um, this and related to that, the authors point out that there is low diversity in the renewable energy space. Um, and I think that that those, those two things I think might go hand in hand. Um, you know, we a couple of months ago, or actually it was just last month, wasn't it? Um, the Solar Foundation came out with this updated diversity study. You know, showing showing very, very clearly um, that people of color are not well represented in solar um, and especially in decision-making um, positions. And so, you know, I, I, again, like there there wasn't a direct tie made by the study authors, but, you know, they they did talk about the fact that, you know, the lack of racial diversity is very pronounced in management, positions, in senior executive positions in solar. Um, and the majority of those positions are held by white people. And so it just kind of makes me wonder, like, you know, if white people are making all these business decisions, is it any wonder that white people are being served by solar? So again, just kind of going tying these two things together, It's um, we see a lack of... Um, Decision making by people of color in solar, and then we also see a lack of outreach and a lack of just business being done in, by the solar industry in communities of color. And I, I have a hard time thinking those two things are not related.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So for me, um, going going even further, it it just you know at, at Vote Solar we've kind of been on our own. Journey. We've we've been really doing a lot of investigation internally about who we want to be as an organization and and what values we want to push um, as we do our public policy work, and it's it's really taken a lot of effort to kind of open our eyes and and for me individually my eyes about the fact that we as a clean energy industry operates in an energy industry that operates in an entire ecosystem of industries and systems that are built upon discrimination. And we need to be cognizant of that and be deliberate and be aware of it. The energy space and the clean energy space is not immune from that structural and institutional racism. So I think it first takes awareness of the fact that that is just a yeah, just a fact. <laughs> um, and then I think the second step is being intentional. So for me I've I've started to use this phrase a little bit, um opportunity through intentionality. Business as usual has been I think rather unintentional in terms of um right look like not intending to leave anybody behind but i think that lack of intention has resulted in communities of color and and lower income communities underserved communities being left behind mm-hmm. so i just think that right now is the opportunity for the solar industry to just make a pledge like just to say we're going to start acting with intentionality and through that, realized this tremendous opportunity. And going back to the study, one of the things that the authors talked about was that they said, well, hey, wait a minute, we see that in, you know, majority African-American communities where there has been some initial suiting, well, holy cow, those, those communities adopt solar faster than their white counterpart communities. So why? Like, so, for me, that just says the demand for solar among communities of color is high. The demand for the desire to participate in the clean energy economy is very high. And that just to me says there's tremendous opportunity if we act with intentionality.
0: Um, so, our audience is solar installers. So, mm-hmm. what would you say to them is their responsibility? in mitigating this issue?
1: I think that solar installers, I think, have an opportunity to start including more minority voices in their decision-making processes. And I think that there is a need to work respectfully with communities of color as the solar industry continues to build out of the clean energy economy. I think that there's a need for solar companies to build trust and have a presence in communities where they really haven't traditionally had a presence. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, it, you know, it's something that will take a bit of an investment and some time. Um, to build that trust. But I think that that absolutely needs to happen. Um, and then again, it's this this dual, I think, interesting thing that we see coming out of this study, both the who's making decisions, the decision-making and the business practices linked to then having a presence in community color. I think those two things need to go hand in hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And really, I mean, I think, you know, Installers, everyone in the solar industry just really needs to think critically about who's in its workforce um, and who are the consumers. And again, I think it's just being willing to um, be a little bit vulnerable and be aware and being willing to share power and making a commitment to act with more intentionality.
0: Okay. And what do you see is the urgency in correcting this pattern?
1: I think it's an immediate urgency, immediate Um, for a number of different reasons. First off, um, we are getting increasingly dire information about the state of, and the trajectory of our global climate. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm very, very aware that both solar is a small organization, we've got environmental partners, but we are drastically outpowered by organizations who don't care about that trajectory, who are not concerned, who are more concerned about their current bottom line than they are about the future of our planet. And so what I, one part of the urgency for me is that we need every single voice out there chiming along with us, demanding action right now to implement more clean energy technologies to get solar out into the world everywhere. And in order to do that, we have to be sure that everybody gets those benefits. So we need to build this movement, we need to build um, the momentum toward better policies towards a better clean energy future, and that's going to take many, many more voices than we currently have in in this fight.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And if those, you know, if communities of color are not seeing the benefits of clean energy, what reason would they have to join in the fight? We really have to be sure that there's a reason for people to fight along with us. So that's that's number one. And then secondly, I would just like be realistic um, in policy fights all over the country. We are repeatedly coming against arguments about how solar um, puts uh, additional costs on low income communities, how it's um, you know, we are seeing communities of color being told that you know, look, solar is for rich white people and it's not for you. So you should join us, the people who don't want more solar and, you know, fight against it. And unfortunately, they have a reason to believe that that's true because of the reality. And I think that in order for the solar industry just to be able to grow, you know, solar is incredibly dependent on policies like net metering on policies like good rate design, on policies like renewable portfolio standards, things like that. And and again, if we are constantly inundated with arguments about how solar is in- being deployed for rich white people at the expense of communities of color and lower income people, it is going to be increasingly hard to win those fights. And that just simply goes to the solar industry's bottom line. So, you know, I, I, I just think that the industry needs a dose of reality on this. I guess I would add, like, even though I, you know, I talked about the immediate urgency for the solar industry to make a course correction, I do want to add that, you know, I and I, I think both solar understand that. It won't happen all at once. So, Vote Solar's journey um, is is a kind of a slow going journey as we become um, a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive organization. You know, it's taking time. It's taking intentionality. It's taking some serious reflection. And I think that we should expect the same to be true among the solar industry community, that it'll take time. Um, You know, nothing's going to change overnight. But I would just say that I would really love to see across the board, the solar industry make a commitment to doing better and make a good commitment to start on that journey. And from there, from simply taking taking that first step, there are tools available. The Solar Energy Industries Association and the Solar Foundation um, just came out with um, a, a really nice toolbox um, to help companies get started and to help them progress on that journey. And so, I would just say, you know, again, it it it's a journey. It's an education internally. But it just starts with making the commitment and, and starting to act with more intention. One
0: solar installer based in Seattle is committed to doing just that. Amy Carpenter is the CEO of Solterra, and she has kept up to date on the forces that hold some communities back from participating in solar.
2: You know, I've read other studies for um, more like inclusiveness on employment, um, specifically in my world, trying to be more inclusive of, of women in solar, of people of color in solar. And typically what I've read is, is that the normal means of communication that we have used in the past or that are the status quo don't tend to actually reach uh, the communities that we're trying to be more inclusive of. So my first guess would be that the normal means of solar marketing and you know how and where people are searching for these home improvement projects is specifically targeting more affluential neighborhoods or more, um, you know, white neighborhoods. So that would be, I guess, my, <laughs> my initial reaction is that mm-hmm. in order to address this, um, you know, switching up where we're advertising, uh, maybe talking to some community leaders to get input as well for better ways to make solar more equitable would be the right approach.
4: Mm-hmm. We haven't
2: changed our approach. We're definitely getting plenty of business just through our status quo marketing channels. Um, but I, I see that in our uh, client demographic breakdown as well. And, um, and so, you know, I think again, having this conversation with you is putting to the forefront of my mind ways that I can also be better at, you know, being more inclusive and reaching out through different channels.
0: Gotcha. And it, it does appear that your, um, your company is quite diverse in itself. So, How do you think that that may help to mitigate
2: the issue a little bit? Um, I think we could have some real dialogues within our company. I'm actually planning a company retreat for later this year, and I think engaging some of my own team members about their thoughts of, you know, whether or not they're seeing solar in their own communities um, could be helpful. Um, I do believe that as far as I know, I'm the the only woman-owned solar company in Washington State or one of maybe two. And so that in and of itself has opened some doors for different, um, you know, client bases. My sales team has expressed that there's a a strong interest in our market for supporting uh, women-owned businesses. So I think given my somewhat unique platform that uh, I think I could have some success in trying to reach out to different communities that maybe a, you know, more traditional owners to ownership ownership uh, breakdown may mm-hmm. not, you know, may not have the same success. We have taken a stance of trying to be more inclusive in our hiring practices. Um, I have a sales team that is 50% female, uh, 60% if you count myself, although I'm not doing full-time sales. Uh, but <clears throat> that was a very proactive choice on my part. And, I found historically when I advertise for a solar design consultant, which is our sales role, uh, that the predominant response is from, you know, men. And so for me to hire the women that I have, I actually personally went out and recruited the, the women that I have on my team uh, based on meeting them in a different sales role and asking them whether or not they'd be interested in, in joining my team. So that was a proactive choice on my part.
0: Okay. So do you think that that also needs to happen for racial diversity as well? You have to go and really seek. I would
2: think so, yeah. yeah. I think think that there has to be, um, I think there's a a challenge, and, you know, I'm a white female, so I'm speaking from kind of a third-party perspective, I guess, but from what I've read and from discussions I have had, uh, there's, an imposter syndrome challenge that it's faced with both women and people of color where they don't see anyone that looks like themselves in maybe a leadership role or a technical uh, sales role. And, um, you know, the the opportunity that they may have there, they dismiss themselves from. And that's of course overgeneralizing, but I think that, you know, being more proactive in recruiting, um, we're seeing this trend a lot in, in tech where the tech companies in Seattle are trying to, be more inclusive and increase their diversity. But it takes proactive effort on the company's part, in my opinion. Mm
0: -hmm. And then another interesting part of this study was that they talked about the social diffusion effect or the seeding of solar. So how when you install solar on one house in a neighborhood, all the other neighbors start thinking about it and the adoption goes up. And the study found that there's also a disparity in the initial seeding of solar in communities of color. So what have you, what's been your experience with this diffusion effect?
2: Uh, That's 100% accurate. We, I read a study and I want to say it was 2016 or 2017, just in terms of trying to better market solar energy as a whole. And There was a survey then that showed that the number one reason that a homeowner said they decided to add solar was because they had a neighbor that added solar. So we actually utilize that in our marketing efforts. We are very diligent about putting signage out in front of our job sites. All of our trucks are branded. Uh, We actually sometimes do targeted mailers even in the same neighborhoods we're working in because that trend has proven to be true you know, over the last three years that we've really been kind of tracking it. So that, that first mover effect in a neighborhood for sure t- translates into at least, you know, two, three, four other installations. On top of that, what a lot of installation companies are doing is they're offering a referral incentive to all of their customers. So in our case, if a homeowner is the first mover in their neighborhood, they have a big opportunity to actually accumulate more incentive dollars from this referral program by referring to us, their neighbors. So I think it's kind of multiplied not only just the keeping up with the Joneses effect, but also the fact that there's a financial incentive for the first mover in a neighborhood to really kind of get their neighbors and friends on board with solar energy as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And how do you think seeding communities of color could help to solve this problem? Do you see that as a big thing, a big I think st- so. Step. Yeah. yeah,
2: I definitely think so because we inherently are going to trust um, the opinions of people that are close to us in proximity, close to us in terms of how we look, what our age is, what our education background is. There's this inherent trust that occurs when you see someone that you perceive to be like yourself doing something that they're speaking positively about. So, you know, if a person of color sees only white homeowners installing solar and they don't see anyone in their community doing it, it it may seem or be perceived as more out of reach than it really is. Whereas if there are community leaders or influential, you know, families in a specific community or neighborhood that have solar, now all of a sudden that's going to open the dialogue uh, that otherwise wasn't there
4: before. There is this renewable divide that is emerging, and I guess I usually thought of that more along income lines than on, you know, communities of color or demographics.
0: Jason Edens is the executive director of the Rural Renewable Energy Alliance, a Minnesota-based nonprofit solar installer focused on low-income solar installations in collaboration with state entities. This company doesn't sell and market solar like other traditional installers, but Eden's still has some thoughts on the reasons behind rooftop PV discrimination.
4: I I can say, though, that there definitely is a renewable divide in that, you know, historically uh, affluent communities have the means to invest in what's a wealth-building technology, right? And because it's a wealth-building technology, you know what I mean? I mean, it's stabilizing operating costs and that kind of thing and basically you know tax-free revenue because it's a wealth building technology it's actually kind of compounding income inequality but well, that doesn't really speak to your your question but i definitely would say that there is a significant what we call a renewable divide kinda of like the digital divide that's emerging and it's the affluent communities that definitely are investing in solar and so i think I. I guess my supposition is that because that's the case, most sales strategies are probably myopically uh, targeting those communities that they perceive, right, to have the means to invest in solar. And unfortunately, a lot of uh, biases and discriminatory uh, thinking or practices come to Play in those sales and marketing strategies, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. the perception that there's the means to make that investment or the perception that that's of importance to a particular community is probably what's driving those, those, those decisions. I think oftentimes uh, lower-income communities and or communities of color um, might be perceived by some developers as not prioritizing environmental attributes or environmental... Um, aspirations, right? And so that's probably, Mm -hmm. that could be kind of shaping their sales and marketing strategies. But you're right. It is a hard question for us to answer because we're focused so much on delivering those technologies to marginalized communities that it's a little bit hard for me to kind of see the forest for the trees. You know what I mean? And we're definitely not a conventional sales and marketing um, solar company. I mean, we're definitely an EPC, but our, our, our sales and marketing is a little bit different. It's more like, can we collaborate with you on this service model? You know what I mean?
0: A more traditional solar installer, Solar Energy World, has built a diverse customer base in Maryland, in part through its advertising strategy.
3: In our case, we don't segment by race or religion or anything like that in our marketing.
0: Here's Lorreen Peck, Solar Energy World's chief marketing officer.
3: We market to all communities. Uh, we do have targeting um, criteria. For example, we have to, the home has to have enough uh, roof space to fit 15 panels. That's how our company, not all companies do that. Some some 10, some 20, in our case, 15 panels. So we use a combination of LiDAR data and of course, you know, lists, et cetera, that we use for when we do our direct mail. And we also, when we're doing, um, our paid search, that's Google AdWords campaigns, we can target by neighborhoods most likely to have fit that criteria. So we don't really target by race or anything like that. It all has to do with the roof size, the house uh, ownership. That's that's about it. Um, that being said, what we have done since I've gotten here is we have diversified our, our communications in their appearance. Um, we've made sure... And if you go to our website, you can see right on our homepage, uh, it's www.SolarEnergyWorld.com. You will see that we have several different uh, ethnicities represented. Uh, And if you explore throughout the website, you'll notice that to be true as well. And if you, for example, another place you can look is on our Facebook page. You'll see that we have ads running. Um, We don't just show white people in the ads. So that's how we deal with that particular problem. So you, show, you, you think
0: that showing people in the ads that are diverse will help other people that fit that description feel like, hey, I can get solar
3: too? Yes, exactly, exactly. Because the messaging itself, as far as the copy, the text, mm-hmm. um, is the same. So it's all about the visuals. to -hmm. to attract people. Okay.
0: And how do you think um, the makeup of a sales and marketing team impacts the neighborhoods that the company goes after to install solar in?
3: Um, I don't know that that makes a lot of difference, but I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Uh, I suppose it could have a very positive influence
0: you know, having more diverse
3: sales force, Mm -hmm. sure. I know that um, we've recently added uh, more uh, women to the sales force because we had, you know, mostly all men, and that's changed recently. Um, So we've added several women to the sales force. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does.
3: Um, Um, And also, I'm a chief marketing officer, and uh, that's very unusual in our business. Um, I mean, not not it doesn't not exist. I mean, it doesn't... It's rare. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah. Uh, in any energy industry, not just... And you would think in renewable energy that it would be more diverse, but it isn't. It's still a male-dominated industry for the most part.
0: The solar industry has an opportunity now to make a change. If installers begin taking deliberate steps to hire diverse employees and prioritize marketing and installing solar in communities of color... It will benefit not only those communities, but the entire solar industry. More solar roofs mean more solar advocates, eager to tell their neighbors about it. And their legislators. For Solar Power World, I'm Kelsey Miss Brenner.